As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. The Week 13 preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground is sponsored by my bookie. Sure, watching football is fun, but it's more entertaining when you have some action on the game. Guys, you've heard me talking about this for weeks, and some of you are still on the sidelines. Whether you're an expert or a rookie, you should be betting at my bookie. That rhymes. That's cute. Anyway, if you're the kind of guy that likes a bet to bet a little and win a lot, like playing the numbers on roulette, you can create a big parlay. Pick three teams to win, and if you hit all three, you could turn $100 into 600 There's so much to bet on, college basketball and football, NBA, NHL, custom props, even eSports, the NFL, you name it. My bookie is the one bet I know you'll be happy with all year. I recommend these guys because I really trust them. MyBookie has been in business for years. They have the great online reviews, and of course, their mobile site is so easy to use. Sign up this week, and MyBookie will give you a 50% deposit bonus to jumpstart your bankroll. It's a great way to bank even more money when you win. Also, make sure to follow at BetMyBookie on Twitter. They personally respond to every mention and DM, not to mention they've given away more than $10,000 in free money to their followers this football season. You'll be the first to know as soon as new odds and props are posted. Don't miss out on one of the best weeks to bet on sports this year with all the conference championship games on Saturday and everything else. Guys, you don't want to miss out on this opportunity. Log on to MyBookie right now and use the promo code BEARS25 and get 50% deposit bonus. That's promo code BEARS25 and get that deposit bonus. MyBookie, you play, you win, you get paid. This week on the Bears Talk Underground. After successfully running the gauntlet of three division opponents in 11 days, the Bears head out east to the Big Apple, where the 3-8 Giants are looking to snap our beloved's five-game winning streak and put all that NFC contender talk to bed once and for all. Can the Bears stay focused, or will the Giants knock us off track? Ryan Dunleavy from the Talk is Cheap podcast joins us on the Week 13 preview episode of The Bears Talk Underground. Will it be a trap game or their sixth straight triumph in a row when our beloved head out to New York to take on the Giants? What's going on, everybody? Larity back the week 13 preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground. And uh, I apologize for my lateness. Uh, for those of you who follow me on Facebook and Twitter, I've been keeping you up to tra- up to date on my uh, internet issues yet again. Um, they reared their ugly head on Wednesday night when I went to interview Ryan Dunleavy for the show. And uh, almost immediately after Ryan Dunleavy and I started communicating on Skype, the poor quality connection window showed up on the Skype window again. And um, we managed to, to muscle our way through the interview. And after some careful editing and some omissions of some things that weren't coherent, 
uh, I turned a 27-minute conversation into a 21-minute segment. So there's been some editing and cutting and a lot of cursing and things like that. But we will have Ryan Dunleavy on the show to help us preview the game uh, a little bit later on. Um, the internet issues per se are, are not so that I don't have internet access, uh, you know, because uh, I do. Uh, I can upload the show. I can watch uh, television because I am a cord cutter. I have a streaming service uh, as my TV provider. It's just that anytime that I try to use Skype or do any kind of streaming on my computer, there are issues almost immediately. So when I with the the problem, whatever I did, whatever the band aid solution was that made the Jeremy Reisman interview perfect for the Thanksgiving game, went straight down the tubes the second I started talking to Ryan uh, on Skype the other night. And um, last night when I was supposed to be producing the show, uh, I was on the phone with my internet provider trying to figure out why. Uh, we were having uh, these problems. Uh, why was the why was I not able to maintain a signal when I was hardwiring the computer straight into the router? You know, I, I was plugged right into the in the computer and right into the uh, router with an Ethernet uh, cable, and my computer kept losing the connection. Um, so we're trying to, to figure out: is it the computer? Is it the router? Is it a bad port on the router? So on and so forth. We could not get that solved yesterday, so we're going to have a technician come out on Monday to help me figure it out. So hopefully when it comes time for me to talk to Brad Mater for the Rams uh, next week, this will all be taken care of one way or the other. So there you have it. So uh, that is the, 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 in a nutshell, the saga that I've been dealing with for the last 72 hours, trying to get this problem taken care of so that it doesn't plague us in these all-important weeks ahead. You know, we got this big showdown with the Rams next week, a, I would say, equally big showdown with the Packers a week after that, because that could be an elimination game for Green Bay. They're four and six right now. Aaron Rodgers, that dope, just had a press conference earlier this week detailing the five games that they have left and how and how he says, oh, we'll just go here. And, uh, you know, we play the Lions. Uh, we'll beat them. Uh, we, we go here and you know, we'll beat them. We'll go to Chicago where we've had a lot of success over the years. We'll win that game, and so on and so forth. And then at the end, we'll get some help and we'll be in the playoffs. It's like, no, you won't, because I have a really good feeling that the Bears are going to savagely destroy you week 15 uh, when you come to Chicago. You're 0-6 on the road. You're not going to get your first win in Chicago. It's not going to happen. It's just not. So I can't wait for that game. I want to talk to Evan Western because we haven't had a chance to talk to him since before the uh, week one, uh, since the week one preview when we were kind of looking into it, kind of still dealing with the ramifications of the Khalil Mack trade and, and what it could mean and so on and so forth. Uh, you know, I'm interested. I, we could spend 20 minutes just talking about the reaction to the first half and, and what it possibly could mean and, and, and all the rest of the Trust me, we're going to have a lengthy conversation uh, about that game and, and what has happened, what happened in the second half, his reaction to it and all that, because you know how sensitive I am when it comes to talking about what happened in the second half of that game. Aaron Rodgers was amazing in that second half. There is no doubting that whatsoever. My, my bone is, of course, with the, with the media, a.k.a. Chris Collinsworth and Al Michaels, making it sound like <laughs> over-embellishing what actually happened. 
Aaron Rodgers was awesome. He did it to the Bears again, and yet you're going to make it sound like he's out there missing part of his leg or he, you know, he, Collinsworth going on and on about how he doesn't have the power to stand under on his, doesn't have the, the strength to stand under his own power and all the rest of that stuff. We will cover all of that when we have Evan on the show in a couple of weeks. And I can't have that conversation if I can't get connected, if I can't have a stable internet connection to, to talk to him with. It's just not possible. So uh, I'm not tech savvy enough to be able to work my way around those kind of things. So we're going to get it all figured out one way or the other, and we're going to have those guys on the show. Not to mention, things are tipping heavily in our favor that for the second time in show history, I'm going to be able to do some playoff episodes, goddammit. So I'm really looking forward to that, and I need my internet connection so we can have some guests on the show for those playoff games. So anyway, that's how that's what is going down with that. Um, you guys understand how important this is uh, to me to be able to put out the best show uh, possible. Um, you guys also know how much I love having guests on the show and, and adding that aspect to the show. And if the Internet connection or my laptop, maybe I just need a new laptop. We'll, we'll get it figured out one way or the other. Um, you know, whatever it is that I need to do in order to make that flawless is what I'm going to do for me, for you, for all of us uh, involved here with the podcast so there there you go moving on lots going on in the world of our beloved chicago bears uh this week as we move into our news and notes section and uh some of it surrounding a guy named eddie jackson who's had a very interesting week so far um early in the week i'd say tuesday or wednesday eddie was named the nfc defensive player of the week for his performance in Detroit, the pick six at the end of the game. He had several tackles uh, in that game uh, as well. It was was integral in the Bears winning that game against Detroit on Thanksgiving Day on the shortest turnaround in NFL history uh, between the Sunday night game against the Vikings and the Thursday morning start for the Bears and the Lions on Thanksgiving Day. Fast forward to about 24 hours later, and Eddie Jackson was also named defensive player of the month for the nfc he scored three touchdowns in november he scored the the fumble uh, recovery in buffalo the pick six against the vikings and then four days later a pick six against detroit both of those touchdowns were keys to the victory uh for the bears and helped the bears produce a perfect november because this kickoff with the giants is taking place on december 2nd we were undefeated throughout the month of November. Outstanding uh, for our beloved Eddie Jackson was a huge, huge reason why. So an outstanding job uh, from Eddie. And these two accolades coming this week have fed into the discussion that is taking place now about how serious a conversation we should be having about Eddie Jackson being the defensive player of the year. Uh, entering the discussion with Khalil Mack, with Aaron Donald, is there a defensive back playing better football in the league than Eddie Jackson right now? Uh, a friend of the show, Brett Coleman, we haven't talked to him since the Bears played the Texans back in 2016, but uh, Brett produces these videos uh, on YouTube. Uh, if you should go and check it out, it's called The Film Room, and he did a about a good 15, 18-minute video on Eddie Jackson, his impact on the team, detailing plays on on how it is, 
what he does is not normal, but he makes it look that way. It's an outstanding uh, video. It's called um, Eddie Money, I believe, is or Mon- Eddie Money is what it's called. Uh, go ahead and look it up on on YouTube or find it. Uh, find I pr- I put the link on on uh, Twitter uh, the other day. So just go find my feed on Twitter, and I think it was uh, Wednesday or Thursday. I provided the link to uh, the video. Go ahead and check it out. It's a really really interesting read and, and not that I wasn't biased to begin with but he makes a hell of a case for Eddie to be the man that that's hoisting the defensive player of the year trophy uh, at the end of the year so I mean it's an interesting discussion and uh, one that makes a lot of sense when you hear Brett uh, explain it and this is a guy without a dog in the fight um, you know he's not a Bears fan and yet he's making one hell of a case for one of our beloved that isn't Khalil Mack to win the defensive player of the year uh, award so it was it's it's a real interesting uh video but it is uh, a good 15 18 minutes long so pull up a chair uh when you watch it uh, but you will get caught up in it and it really won't feel like it lasted that long can't recommend it enough speaking of pro bowl voting as you can uh assume the uh the success of our beloved has opened the doors to a lot of our players Finally getting some love in the Pro Bowl voting um, area for a change. Uh, I remember the the memes and the jokes about Khalil Mack now being ineligible for the Pro Bowl now that he's in Chicago because Chicago Bears simply do not make the Pro Bowl. I mean, that's just madness and it hasn't happened for a very long time. and uh, Or at least not straight up anyway. I think 20, 2014 was the last time that somebody was voted right in. That was Kyle Long. In his second season, he was a Pro Bowl alternate as a right tackle in 2015. Um, Josh Sitton and uh, Jordan Howard, I believe, were both alternates in 2016. So uh, I know that and Howard was. I think maybe Sitton got in on his own merits, but uh, I, I do believe they were both alternates that ended up making the Pro Bowl after somebody either sat out for injury or, or, or what have you. But it's been a long time since somebody got straight up voted into the Pro Bowl uh, just on their own on merits. I mean, Eddie, Eddie Jackson has shot to the number one uh, for free safeties. Uh, Tariq Cohen is now in the top 10 for return specialists. Uh, James Daniels is now in the top 10 for guards. I mean, talk about him coming on lately since taking over that left guard uh, position. Roquan Smith is now number two. In, in for inside linebackers uh, right now. He's having a beast of a season uh, at the moment. Akeem Hicks, we got to work on Akeem Hicks. He's only number six on, for defensive tackles for some reason. We need to get all over that. I mean, aside from Aaron Donald, what interior offensive lineman is having a better season than, than, than Akeem Hicks right now? I challenge you to answer that uh, question. So do whatever you can, NFL.com or, or hashtag Pro Bowl Akeem Hicks on Twitter. Whatever you got to do is let's start racking up the votes and get Akeem higher because if he doesn't make the Pro Bowl this year, I can't imagine what he has to do in, in order to make that happen. It, it should not be this hard for a player that talented uh, to, to, to get the accolades he deserves. So let's, let's do some work and get Akeem Hicks uh, into the uh, into the Pro Bowl where he should have been like the last two seasons. Uh, let's get him in this year because he definitely deserves it uh, now. So uh, I think Trey Burton's in the top ten for tight ends. I think he was number five or something like that. Uh, didn't say how Trubisky was doing, but um, I think he is top ten. I'm not sure. Um, but uh, there was a, you know an, a big long list of players and where they sat 
Um, make sure you go ahead and, and vote and, and do your part to, to get our beloved into the Pro Bowl. And, and hopefully in the end, it will be a paper accolade for them because they won't be able to play in Orlando uh, You know, the, the week after the NFC Championship game because they'll be too busy getting ready to play the Super Bowl in Atlanta a week later. So I'm hoping that this ends up being just a paper accolade for those guys and they don't get a chance to play in the Pro Bowl because they're playing in a much bigger, much more important a game the week after. So, But let's do our part as beloved Chicago Bear fans to get our guys voted into the Pro Bowl as many as possible, as as any as many as we possibly can. Uh, Keem Hicks, obviously Khalil Mack is a, is a virtual lock. I think Eddie Jackson being number one is is close to a lock as we have there. Kyle Fuller getting some votes in the top ten uh, of cornerbacks uh, as well, and so on and so forth down the line. There's a lot of Bears love going on in the Pro Bowl voting at the moment, and we should all be doing our part to make sure that as many of our blue and orange beloved make it to the Pro Bowl uh, this year. So, speaking of Pro Bowlers, I just talked to him about him a moment ago. Jordan Howard um, had a chance to talk to the media earlier this week and um, saying that uh, basically talking about his role or therefore his diminished role. We remember we, we talked about it quite a bit during the uh, the uh, preview or the review, excuse me, the review episode uh, the other day saying how, you know, just me personally, I don't think that uh, Jordan Howard will, will be a member of this football team uh, next year. I think that the Bears will try to move him, not because he's not a good running back, not because he isn't productive, but all of those rumors talking about his role in this offense and how the Bears may have been trying to move him during this offseason because he wasn't the best fit and so on and so forth kind of coming to fruition there there where it sounded like ridiculous you know crazy talk during the offseason it more and more it, it's looking that way because Jordan Howard is a shell of his former self and I don't think it really has anything to do with the player he's not really being given the same opportunities that he was uh, a year ago when he was central to anything we were trying to do on offense Matt Nagy's system and the talent on offense now make it so that we can survive at the moment, at the moment, without a strong running game. Um, the funny thing is, and if, after we get done talking to Ryan Dunleavy, I'm going to detail how this is going to be a huge week for Jordan Howard, or at least how it's setting up to be that way. So hold on to your boots for that one. But, you know, Nagy keeps talking about how he we, we need to improve in the running game area and how, uh, you know, Jordan Howard is talking about, uh, you know, he still feels he's the same player, but he's also not a sour grapes guy. He's like, we didn't win many football games uh, my first couple of years. They won three his rookie year, only five last year. So he's won eight games in two seasons. And here we are in his third season. They've matched that already. With, with five games left to go, we've won as many games this year as John Fox and the Bears won in, their, in the last two seasons in 2016 and 2017 we we won eight games together in those two seasons we've won eight games alone this year uh in 2018 so jordan howard is enjoying himself as a member of this team just as a member of the team i should say as far as being a contributor and looking at his stats or lack thereof probably some bittersweet moments uh for jordan howard each and every week seeing that a guy that was averaging over 70 yards a game on the ground I don't think is cracking 50 so far this year. So it's it's a definite definite decrease 
in, in production, not entirely his fault, whether it be the offensive line just not doing their, their job uh, during the, the running downs or, uh, you know, Jordan Howard not getting the, the proper amount of reps to be able to get into the rhythm that we, he would eventually get into each and every week when, when, when Loggins and, and Fox were, were cramming Jordan Howard down our throats despite eight- and nine-man boxes uh, last year. Because, you know, despite the, the constant wall of humanity that Jordan Howard had to face uh, virtually every down last year, he still managed to rush for over 1,100 yards, the first uh, running back in the history of our historic franchise to rush for 1,000 yards in each of his first two seasons. It would take a pretty – I don't want to say a miracle because it's not impossible – but it would take a pretty huge effort and a pretty big change in philosophy for Jordan Howard to be able to pull it off in the first three seasons. I don't think he's cracked. I know he's cracked over 500. I don't think he's close to 600 yet. So he would have to run. Basically, he'd have to run for 500 yards in the next five games to make that happen. So, And based on everything we've seen in the offense up to this point, Unless Jordan Howard starts breaking some big runs, that's probably not going to happen. So, um, but he is saying publicly, he is also he is acknowledging that things are not going as well for him personally, but that he is in you know he is loving being a part of this team. He was one of only two offensive players to run from the sideline onto the field during the Eddie Jackson touchdown celebration after the pick six. He and Josh Bellamy were the only offensive players that ran from the sideline to be a part of the calisthenics that Eddie Jackson was putting everybody through to celebrate his touchdown. Uh, so he is having fun, and that's what that's you know what we need to hear. He also, in, in a way, if you read the article, kind of read between the lines, maybe has a chip on his shoulder like, I know that I can be doing better than this. And I'm not for whatever reason. Th those are exact words. For whatever reason were his his thoughts on on you know what possibly could be keeping him from being himself uh, this year. So I think that this this Sunday against the Giants, and like I said, we'll talk about it again a little bit later when uh, after we get done talking to Ryan Dunleavy, that uh, this could be a huge game uh, for him, and we'll talk about why in in just a bit. Uh, we'll, we'll, you'll, we'll talk about it a bit with Ryan on the show, and then I'll break it down a little bit further after the, uh, the, the interview. So, Because uh, I got a lot of notes on the one positive thing about waiting an extra day to get the show done is that it gave me another day or so to put together some, uh, some notes and such for the analysis after uh, the interview, what, what it's going to take for the Bears to win uh, on Sunday. So I think that will do it. Oh, what the hell am I talking about? Uh, yeah, we, we uh, yeah, by the way, injury report. Hi, how are you? Yeah, kind of still a big deal. Um, Mitch Trubisky, probably not playing on Sunday. Uh, has been limited in practice all three days this week uh, with that shoulder injury. Uh, I'm hearing that he hasn't thrown a ball all week long, so that doesn't bode well. And was listed as doubtful today. In the uh, in the final depth chart, or excuse me, the final injury report, uh, heading into the into the game this weekend, uh, Benny Cunningham with the ankle injury that he suffered against the Lions, doubtful as well, has not practiced at all this week. Uh, Akeem Hicks gave everybody a nice little scare when when news of an Achilles injury started surfacing earlier this week. He did not practice on Wednesday or Thursday, but he was full go today. Officially listenable is listed as questionable, 
which means he has a it's kind of backwards how they how they do these definitions it's there's a 25 percent chance he won't play that's what questionable means or 75 percent chance that he will which means he's going to play um aaron lynch and adam shaheen were both for full participation all week all week long uh after clearing concussion protocol they both missed the game in detroit uh with concussions uh this week uh Bilal Nichols was uh was not on the injury report and then he was listed as limited today with that knee injury so maybe he had some soreness or some tightness uh today officially listed as questionable so he's going to play on Sunday uh the other surprise was uh Sheriff McManus with a hamstring injury has not practiced all week this week is doubtful for the game against Detroit so uh, or excuse me uh doubtful for the game against the Giants we're playing New York on Sunday by the way so um yeah so our special teams ace and and, and sometimes uh you know nickel corner or maybe more of a dime uh corner actually but uh, I mean Sherrick's got an interception this year he can play defense but he's mostly our special teams guy and uh he's looking like he's uh likely not to play uh on Sunday on the Giants side uh, Lorenzo Carter, their rookie outside linebacker, was limited with a hip injury this week, listed as questionable. Um, Evan Ingram, their f- former first-round pick, is out with a hamstring injury, did not practice at all this week. B.J. Goodson, an inside linebacker, was limited with a nick injury, also listed as out. Uh, Grant Haley, Curtis Riley, Kerry Wynn, or Grant Haley and Curtis Riley, both corners, uh, with hamstring and shoulder injuries, uh, respectively, we're both limited on Wednesday and Thursday. Full go on Friday, so they're playing on Sunday. Kerry Wynn, defensive end, was uh, on concussion protocol. Was limited on Wednesday and Thursday. Full participation on Friday, and that's it. So, uh, the, the 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 guys that we'll probably see play on Sunday: Lorenzo Carter. He's a uh, situational uh, pass rusher, outside linebacker, questionable, so he's going to play. B.J. Goodson, the inside linebacker, is uh, out, so we won't see him, or Evan Ingram. So those are like the top-line guys that we won't see uh, on Sunday. Lorenzo Carter will be a situational kind of guy uh, in the pass rush for the Giants, who switched to the 3-4 uh, this year. So uh, he'll be a, a pass rusher for them. So, but the big news, obviously, Mitch Trubisky not playing uh, on Sunday. And truth be told, Ever since they kind of started alluding to this on the Bears off day on Tuesday, that uh, it wasn't likely that the Bears were kind of leaning towards starting Chase Daniel in the vein of of Khalil Mack and Allen Robinson, where they both probably could have played against Buffalo, uh, held them out that second game so that they would be 100 percent for the uh, for the Lions the following Sunday. I'm okay with uh, with Mitch not playing Sunday against the uh, the Giants. I don't think that a two-week layoff will contribute to any kind of rust in the Sunday night game against the Rams uh, next week or, or anything like that. And um, it's even more uh, beneficial for Chase Daniel that uh, he had a full week of practice this week with full speed practices, whereas uh, last week when he, number one, had three days to get ready, had all walkthrough practices because you're not going full contact when you're playing less than 85 hours after your last game ended so now he's been doing some full um full speed practices an opportunity to get some timing down with his receivers because it did seem like it took a little bit to get that going last week against detroit 
the learning curve has been, you know, lessened quite a bit now that he's had some full speed uh, practices uh, with his receivers. So maybe we'll see a more efficient uh, Chase Daniel in the first half um, than we did against Detroit. And uh, we'll get things going offensively a little bit quicker uh, than we did before. So Chase has been uh, practicing as the starter uh, all week long, and I think he will benefit and so will the offense um, when it's all said and done on Sunday. So there you have it. Mitch is out. No problem uh, with that. He'll be uh, primed and ready to go on Sunday against the Rams on Sunday night football when the, the Bears look to really make their name uh, in, in a huge game against um, one of the contenders in the NFC. Uh, it will go a long way in establishing themselves as a contender uh, in the NFC because they're kind of part of that, that maybe discussion right now. If they beat the Rams, there will be no denying that the Bears should be up there. With, with the Saints and the, and the Rams in that discussion. So um, really looking forward to next week. It's going to be uh, – you probably won't be able to sit with me during that game. I'll be so wrecked, you know, so jacked up. But uh, anyway, that is going to do it for the preview. We're going to go ahead and bring in Ryan Dunleavy from NJ.com and the Talk is Cheap podcast to help us preview week 13 between our beloved Chicago Bears and the New York Giants. Week number 13 has our beloved traveling out east to take on the New York Giants who could be setting up the Bears for a trap game if they have not if they're not keeping focus and looking looking ahead to that Sunday night battle with the Giants or excuse me with the Rams week 14 here to help us preview this game between our Bears and Giants coming up this Sunday Ryan Dunleavy from NJ.com and the Talk is Cheap podcast Ryan how we doing? Good. I think you just got caught looking ahead to the Rams, too. <laughs> I am excited about the game. I really am interested to see where the Bears are at, you know. But, uh, yeah, I think you're right. I'm, I am looking forward to it. But I know better than to look past uh, an opponent. We've seen it happen too many times, not just to the Bears, but to, to many other teams, in fact. Um, but, um, you know, so let's dive right in, uh, Ryan, because I, I went back and listened to our conversation that we had back in – May. It's been nearly six months since the last time that we talked. And back then, you said worst case scenario because of the brutal first half schedule that the Giants had would be a one in seven start. And funny enough, <laughs> that's exactly what happened to the Giants. They came out and with with a one in seven start. And I was just looking at at the games that they played. Um, aside from the uh, their win over Houston, week number three, where they scored 27 points, and that crazy shootout they had with the, the Panthers, the offense was only averaging about 18 points a game that first eight weeks of the season. But since then, the last three weeks, you've been averaging nearly 30 points a game. So what changed after that bye week? Because you had eight weeks, a week nine bye, and then three games since then. What, what's changed in the last few weeks where the offense is, is clicking? Well, let's first point out that I'm a that I'm a genius for nailing the <laughs> the one win was against the Texans who haven't lost since they've won ten in a row. So really, I guess what's changed is they went in the bye week and they came out with a different personnel and a different plan. They've gone kind of swapped out first round draft pick Evan Ingram uh, and given more to Red Ellison, a former Vikings tight end who's with the Giants now, who's a better blocking tight end. 
they've increased the snaps to Eli Penny, a guy they acquired in the middle of the season. Uh, so they've really gone more pro style or whatever you would call it, more fullback to tight end uh, kind of uh, personnel, which is a pretty good idea when you use the number two pick in the draft on him. They've given him 20 carries, then 27 carries, and then in their two back-to-back wins, and then they got away from him again against the Eagles. Saquon Barkley is a great pass catcher. He's a pretty decent pass protector, but really he's still a running back when all is said and done, and you've got to hand your running back the football. Yeah, he's been pretty impressive. I mean, he's had highlights, win or lose, you know, for the Giants, and even in that 1-7 start, I mean, he, he had an outstanding game against the Panthers, uh, where you guys just came up short uh, in that one. Has there been any buyer's remorse on on the Saquon Barkley? I mean, I know he's been good, but, you know, I mean, there's always a lot of speculation as to who you guys could have had instead if the Giants' focus was different, or is that all, you know, in the past because we got him and he's playing well? No, listen, it's never going to be in the past. That <laughs> when Sam Darnold's on the Jets 20 minutes away, there it's never going to be on the past, sure. so especially if Sam Darnold ends up being the real deal. It's never going to be in the past. Look, there's no buyer's remorse on the point of, on the – part of Dave Gettleman or Pat Shermer or John Mara because Saquon Barkley is spectacular. I mean, he is spectacular. He can literally any play can be a home run. He can be on the pass. He can be on the ground. He's spectacular. The problem is uh, we're talking about a year now, a full calendar year since the Giants benched Eli Manning for Geno Smith and we're going to play Davis Webb and now neither Geno Smith nor Davis on the team anymore and now Alex Tanny and Kyle Laletta are here and the Giants are three and eight and people are if they're gonna play and the Giants are still not sure that Eli Manning is not gonna be their quarterback next year and that's a long-winded way of saying the Giants still in the future they didn't have one at this time last year I'm not sure they're gonna have one at this time next um it's kill it's 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 the worst place you could be in the NFL and it's unfortunate that that gets attached to Saquon Barkley's name because, like I said, he's fantastic. But when you pass on Sam Darnold and Josh Rosen, people are always going to wonder what could have been for the Giants with one of those quarterbacks. No one no one looking ahead to 2019 where the Giants might be in a position to pick up one of the quarterbacks who might be on the top of the 2019 draft. Is, is anybody out there being a pessimist and wanting them to lose so they won't hurt their chances at one of those quarterbacks? look there's a good part of the fan base that would like to see that happen yeah there's a good part of the fan base that would like to see this get set one pick and get the quarterback of the future the problem is the Raiders stink the Cardinals stink and the 49 stinks so the Giants probably are not a pick higher than four or five in the draft and at that point I don't know that you're going to get the quarterback you want because you know I mean look you can always force a quarterback but that's how you end up with Christian Ponder or J or uh, or the Blaine Gabbert yeah. or you know, or Cade McNown oh. or <laughs> had to throw that one in there. That, that's how you end up with one of those uh, or pick somebody in the top ten who doesn't really belong. So I think J- Justin Herbert, the Oregon quarterback, would be ideal for the Giants. Problem is he'll, he he could stay in school or he'll be gone by the time they pick. So. Yeah, there's plenty of people looking ahead to 2019, but I'm not so sure the Giants are going to have the chance to draft their quarterback of the future in 2019. So the 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 roster has gone through some changes since the last time that we ah. we talked. 
the Giants were were big sellers at the uh, the trade deadline. You got uh, two of your first round picks are gone now. Eric Flowers was was he was cut and and you know thrown away. Eli Apple traded away to the Saints, ironically, right after you played uh, the Saints, and then uh, Snacks Harrison also traded to. Detroit, and I've been talking about him quite a bit the last two weeks as we just got done playing the Lions virtually back-to-back uh, the last few weeks. So what did they come away with with, with those trades? What, what kind of draft capital are they looking at? Could that, could that help them when, when, uh, when the draft comes around again? The Giants are down to, I think, 16 players who were on the team last season, wow. which is just mind-boggling. Which is mind-boggling. That's more, less than a third of your – almost a quarter of your roster, basically. Um, so, yeah, they got a fifth-round pick from the Lions for Snacks Harrison, which seems low, but you got to look at it this way. Snacks Harrison is the best in the NFL at what he does, which is stop the run, and that's yeah. all he does. And the NFL is becoming a league with Aaron Donald or the guys on the Chiefs where you need an inside or Fletcher Cox on the Eagles. You need an inside pass rush in the NFL. It's fewer steps to get to the quarterback. Uh, it's not just about the edge guys anymore. And Damon Harrison is not a pass rusher whatsoever. So the Giants uh, decided to move on, got a fifth-round pick there, got a fourth-round pick for Eli Apple, uh, who was their first-round pick only a couple years ago. Again, doesn't sound like great return, but um, Giants wanted to move on from those two guys. They wanted draft capital. Look, this is a team that desperately needs depth. They have very little of it. So, you know, now you have some picks to replenish at those positions with younger guys and maybe package a couple of picks if you want to try to move up from five to two if your quarterback is there or from you know the back of the second round into the middle of the first round to get a second set first rounder they have some picks to play with and one thing we know about giants general manager dave gettleman is he loves to trade up in drafts sure Sure. So you were talking about depth, and that was also a problem for the Giants last year when when they went through a slew of injuries that led to their three and thirteen year uh, last year. Is is did that play a factor in the first eight weeks when you went one and seven? I mean, I know the schedule was brutal to begin with, but I mean they they were they really weren't very competitive in, in a lot of those games, aside from like the Carolina game and obviously the Houston game that they that they won they played the the Jaguars tough in the beginning but then faded at the end so what was it that led to one and seven to start with a total lack of all the Giants played the same game almost every time except for the win against the Texans and the blowout against the Eagles and the um shootout against the Panthers so they played like five of the same game basically (laughs) there it was 13 to 9 at the end of the third quarter or 10 to 3 or 10 to 6 or 13 to 6 base defense played well for three quarters the offense couldn't do anything couldn't get out of its own way kicked a bunch of field goals couldn't score in the red zone racked up yards between the 20s and then stalled out and then so they trailed this low scoring game starting the fourth quarter then the defense would inevitably give up a touchdown back breaking touchdown to make it a two-score game, then all of a sudden, against soft prevent defense, the Giants would mad- pile up garbage time yards and stats. That's literally what happened for five game five times. Uh, so they lost twenty to thirteen, or thirty to thirteen, or uh, twenty to ten, or li- literally the same game every single time. The offense with Beckham and with Bart throwing Shepard and Evan Ingram and all these guys could not score and 
you know, a lot of it was on the offensive line. Dave Gettleman's number one priority this offseason was to build the offensive line. He, he, I mean, he certainly didn't ignore it. He just picked the wrong guys, so to speak. He put the emphasis where the emphasis needed to be. He just bought a lot of. So is so is Nate Solder not working out as as a left tackle, or is he just not enough? I mean, you you guys drafted Will Hernandez top of the second round. You signed Nate Solder, gave him this huge contract to leave New England and come to the Giants. So I mean, is it from center to the right side that's failing, or you know where where are the deficits on the offensive line right now? Correct. So you name the two guys who have started every game. Okay, they have started. Hernandez has started every game. Solder has started every game. Solder has not lived up to his contract. He's been average. They paid him to be all Pro Bowl, and he has not been anywhere near Pro Bowl. Hmm. Um, but on the Giants line, he's still probably the best one because they've started three centers, three right guards, and three right tackles. Oh wow! Um, they've uh, excuse me. They've started nine offensive linemen. They've played ten offensive linemen, different five man combinations. It's been a. It's been a. It's been the worst thing you can have, which is a revolving door of offensive line. Best teams start the same five guys all season long. They build chemistry. Uh, they play above. They play better as a. The Giants are the complete opposite of everything that I just said there. And it's uh, you know they picked up Jamon Brown off waivers. He's been a nice stabilizing force at right guard to replace Patrick Omame, who was uh, who signed a three-year, fifteen million dollar contract. One of Gettleman's big splashes in free agency while well, he's now on the Jaguars because they cut him after starting as they cut him. Uh, they did not address right tackle. They decided to go with Eric Flowers, who everybody knew was a weak spot. They decided moving him from left tackle to right tackle would be enough. And he's, he was not good again and they cut him and he's now on the Jaguars. Uh, they went with John Jalapio at center. He was actually pretty good. He broke his leg in the second game of the season. So center right guard, tackle have been a disaster for the Giants a revolving door and you can't throw the ball to Beckham if Eli Manning's getting sacked and say can't find holes if they don't exist right yeah so I mean that that pretty much explains it all I mean there's that old cliche it all starts up front well I mean nothing would be truer than uh than to watch how the the uh, the Giants have been uh, especially those first eight weeks. And, I mean, has that improved at all in the last three weeks? You guys are scoring more points. You won a couple of games. Or has it been the fact that you played the Buccaneers and the 49ers uh, back-to-back to get a couple of wins? Well, that's it, right? That's the catch-20. The results are certainly better, but is it because the play is better or is it because those those teams stink? I mean, it's probably a little both. I think the play like I said, I think Jamon Brown was a good help for them as a right guard. Uh, I think that... Spencer Pulley's done a decent job at center after uh, they finally settled on a guy there after Jalapio's injury. Um, but then they played the Eagles last week and jumped out to a 19-3 lead and then choked it away because of offensive line penalties and lost yardage and uh, sacks. And that, again, it was the offensive line that crumbled against a really good defensive seven from the Eagles. So they were for two and a half quarter, two and a half games. I would have said, yeah, they've gotten really better since the bye. And then it was like, oh yeah, you know what? When they still face somebody good, they're going to crumble like the second half of the Eagles. So really, the ideal team for them to be facing right now is the Bears with Khalil Mack. It's probably the perfect team for them to face right now. Yeah, it's it's uh, the the more you talk about it, the more I'm I'm salivating over the prospect of this Sunday's uh, game. If if their deficits are up front, then 
that does cancel out Odell Beckham and Saquon Barkley and uh, and everything. And, and Khalil Mack is just the the top of the of the peak there. You also have like three other Pro Bowl players on that defense right now with Akeem Hicks yeah. and Eddie Jackson. Kyle Fuller is playing at a Pro Bowl level at at, at cornerback right now, and of course our our rookie Roquan Smith and his uh, his backfield mate uh, Danny Trevathan are no slouches. Uh, either so the more you keep talking about how a big problem the offensive line is the easier a Sunday it looks like it's going to be uh, for the Bears and that's even if um, Mitch Trubisky doesn't start again uh, this week right now he was limited in practice uh, today so Chase Daniel was taking all the first team reps Um, you know it's very likely that Chase Daniel will be the starter against the the Giants on on Sunday you know, and, you, and the pieces that you guys sold during the trade deadline were all on the defensive side with Eli Apple and 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 Snacks Harrison, but yet the defense is usually what's been keeping the Giants up in late in the games before they you know before eventually they had to give way because the offense couldn't get it done for them, right? Correct. Yep. And then last week the defense did a nice job for three quarters again. And then when they really needed a stop against the Eagles, the Eagles drove it down the field for the game time for the go ahead touchdown. Giants drove. Then the Eagles drove down for the game winning field goal. So the Giants did a nice job for two and a half quarters. Then the two drives that mattered most, 10 points. So it's the Giants in a nutshell have pretty much done just enough to lose this season. All right. Well, I know you don't have much uh, time, Ryan. So I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up and, you know, just ask you. You know, what you think, I mean, what kind of game will the Giants have to play it to be able to to turn this into a trap game, you know, for the Bears? Maybe catch them with their pants down, looking ahead to the big Sunday night showdown with the Rams. What are the Giants going to have to do to pull off the upset? I hate this matchup for the Giants. I, I hate anybody who didn't catch my ideal was dripping with sarcasm earlier. Um Look, I hate the matchup. I just do. I mean, I, I don't really know how the Giants could could win this game. Play nine offensive linemen. I guess the best way is to chew up clock with Saquon, with Saquon Barkley and uh, run the ball really well and you force a couple turnovers from Chase Daniel. Um, but I like Chase Daniel. I covered college football for a long time. I liked Chase Daniel when he was a college quarterback. Mm-hmm. I thought – you know, he's the kind of guy would have liked. He's the kind of guy when you see Nathan Peterman getting starts in the NFL, you wonder how a guy like Chase Daniel never got how this is only going to be his fourth career start or something like it. When I guess when you're Drew Brees' backup, you're not going to get many opportunities. But you would have, I would have liked to see Chase Daniel earlier in his career uh, where he maybe could have, you know, supplanted the starter. Um, but I guess force some turnovers from him uh, and uh, block the block the pass rush by running the ball and limiting the number of dropbacks. I mean, against the Rams, excuse me, against the Bucks, the Giants beat the Bucks 38-35, which sounds like a shootout. Eli Manning threw the ball 18 times in that game because the Giants were able to run the ball. They were able to force turnovers and get short field, get a short field. That's probably their winning game plan against the Bucks, uh, against the Bears. The difference is the Bears are a lot better than the Bucks. They're not facing Ryan Fitzpatrick or um, James the Winston. other you Jameis know, Winston or the Bucks, you know, line or the Bucks defense. So they're facing a better defense. They're facing uh, the Bears have these dynamic uh, secondary players 
um, the guy who Jackson, right, who picks yeah. off a ball every game. It's just the everywhere I look on the Bears, that defense is just is just loaded. So uh, the, I guess the best way for the Giants to do it would be to limit the number of Bears possessions. But that means having the Bears defense on the field. So I guess moving the ball, uh, like I said. If I sound like the Giants are hopeless, it's because I picked 28 to 3. I don't see them with the advantage on either side of the ball or special teams in this game. You know, I, I hope for Giants fans' sake it's a bit more of an interesting game than that. As a Bear fan, I, I applaud your prediction, and I, I look forward to seeing it come to fruition uh, on Sunday. Uh, Ryan, I appreciate you uh, you know spending the time and uh, helping us preview this uh, game, and uh, best of luck the rest of the year. One other thing I want to mention is uh, – uh, him and Shermer worked together. Uh, him and Shermer worked together with the Eagles for a, just a couple weeks in '08, and uh, they've stayed in touch. They're both from the Andy Reid coaching tree, so they both believe similar offensively. Shermer was obviously the hot commodity um, in the coaching circles right. in the coaching carousel this offseason, and Giants acted. You know, um, you know, interviewed six guys, and Nagy was not one of them. I asked him today. I asked Matt Nagy today when we had him on the conference call about it and said he never heard from the giants uh obviously the bears hired him real quick the mm-hmm. giants needed an extra week to make their decision and then picked Shermer over snap patricia from the lions uh and now Shermer sitting here three and eight naggy sitting here eight and three uh the best of the first year coaches uh it's really interesting to me because the giants interviewed lewis rick uh the espn analyst to be their general manager and they ended up going with dave gettleman instead and had they hired Lewis Riddick, I gotta wonder. Oh, Matt Nagy probably would have probably would have been on the short list for Giants coach because Nagy and Riddick are close. They work together with the Eagles. Riddick's close with the Chiefs GM Brett Veach, who I'm sure would have recommended Nagy highly. So I just wonder if things had gone differently, if Gettleman had, if the Giants had hired Riddick instead of Gettleman, if we'd be talking about this game with coaches Matt Nagy coach of the Giants and Pat Shermer coach of the Bears would be awfully interesting you're right and and I believe that 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 is a definite possibility because Lewis Riddick has been spending a lot of time on Chicago sports radio at least once a week for an hour or so on the Waddle and Sylvie show talking about the merits of Matt Nagy and this Bears offense he's one of the first like yeah, he's one of the first national pundits that came out in support of the Bears and how they were playing. And it's like everyone is kind of singing his tune nowadays, like, you know, kind of stepping in line with him and what he's been saying about the Bears all along. So I, I definitely believe that would definitely be true if Riddick had gotten hired instead of Gettleman. It's a very good possibility Nagy would have been on his short list. Well, it's just something I explored today, a little something I, I try to give people a little something different. Uh, and, you know, obviously Shermer had a lot of success with the Vikings. That's not to say he's not going to do a good job with the Giants. I think he very well could. But would have been interesting to see maybe the Bears go and steal the Vikings offensive coordinator if, you know, Nagy Giants. And I like alternate world scenarios, and that's a pretty interesting one. Definitely is. Ryan, thanks so much uh, for, for coming back on, and uh, we'll, we'll talk to you again real soon. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. I know we don't do bear ups on the the preview episode, but I would like to give myself uh, a bear up for 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 the outstanding job that I did 
uh, editing that uh, that interview. There were still some, uh, you, you know, some glitches, some technical uh, mess ups along the way as far as uh, things that I actually left in there because they, you know, made more sense, I guess, is one way of putting it. But uh, yeah, so I was able to salvage and, and have a guest on the show when it didn't look like I would um, when I uh, first recorded. Uh, the interview and then went through the drama that I've been going through the last 48 hours trying to get it fixed uh, and everything. But a lot of good information uh, from Ryan. And, um, you know, you heard me say it uh, during the interview that the more that we're talking about the offensive line and its issues, the more I'm looking forward to this matchup uh, on Sunday. Um, it, it sounds like the Bears are going to feast on on Eli Manning uh, Sunday, which will be fun uh, to watch. Another nice, uh, easy leisurely Sunday especially on the defensive side uh, you know keeping the Lions and or the Lions I can't there you know we, we talked about them twice in a short period of time I can't get the goddamn team out of my head the Giants uh on Sunday of course the big thing that we have to worry about is the fact a the whole trap game thing that is real the Bears uh I doubt that they are or that they would be guilty of it but they are human after all, and a much bigger showdown with a bigger team next Sunday night on national TV with the Rams on the horizon. Can we get busted for for looking forward to that? And for the Giants, this is a team that actually does have the tools to do some damage. I mean, they, they when when the season started, when we when we had Ryan on the show earlier in the year. Uh, we were talking about this possibly being a big bounce back year for the Giants because offensively they have all the talent that they need uh, to to bounce back, to keep up with the offenses in the NFL this year. They had Odell Beckham, even though he was going through a contract thing at the time. Uh, they, tr- you know, they signed, um, drafted, I should say, uh, Saquon Barkley. Uh, Evan Ingram has uh, been a, a great pick for them at tight end. Um, and, you know, Sterling Shepard, and they had other weapons on the offensive side that, you know, even though they decided to go with Barkley instead of the, the, the next generation quarterback for the Giants, that, that, you know, this seemed like the year they were, they were still going all in on, on Eli and getting him tools in order to make the, line, the, the, the offense successful. But the problem being the offensive line got some attention, but not the attention that it needed. And it's a huge liability as to why it is. The, you know, the offensive line's deficiencies are kind of canceling out what they could be doing uh, on the offensive side. And we've seen some flashes of what that offense is capable of the last couple of weeks. Um, well, the last two and a half games, the, the 38 points they put up on Tampa Bay, the 30 plus points they put up on San Francisco and the first half demolition that they put the, the Philadelphia Eagles through uh, last week before completely disappearing. Uh, in the second half so we've seen the potential of what this off can, offense can do uh, that shootout that they had with the Panthers earlier in the season uh, was also evidence of what potential lies there but the problem is the Bears are you know you heard uh, Ryan say it this is just a lousy matchup for the Giants across the board it's like I'm, I'm looking at this and I don't see any matchup where the Giants win you know or just like clearly overall win because even having Odell we've got uh you know Prince of Mukamura and and uh, Kyle Fuller who's having another monster season uh right now who's really seemed to find found, found himself in the NFL after you know being a mess the first three seasons uh, of his career he's 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 playing like a guy we picked in the first round uh right now so 
anyway, it's um, it's it's going to be interesting. Like they have the tools to hurt us. Saquon Barkley is a special player, um, right off the bat. So the 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 key to the game on defense uh, is simply two words, especially when it comes to uh, Saquon Barkley. Wrap up, <laughs> wrap up. This kid eats on yards after first contact he leads the league in it as a matter of fact i don't know what the actual statistic is but i've seen it that basically after first contact he's basically either making the first guy miss or he's breaking the first tackle and then adding to the yardage total so for a guy that because of the shoddy offensive line that he's running behind should be averaging between two and three yards a carry he's averaging closer to four and five uh, because he's making that first guy pay for his participation now we as a as a defense especially in the secondary you know that Miami game would be a key uh, example have been guilty at times of not tackling well I mean it actually happened in the Thanksgiving game Eddie Jackson of all people was in perfect position to nail a, a a screen pass but the guy made Eddie miss and it turned out to be a decent play uh, for the Lions, they got a first down, move the chain, so on and so forth. With a guy like Barkley, he's the guy that'll make the first guy miss and then make the rest of the defense pay. So that's not something that we want to see. He has explosive um, capabilities and can hurt uh, the Bears. Now, we don't expect anything hugely deficient on offense. As a matter of fact, I don't think we'll have really any deficiencies on offense with, with Chase Daniel. This is not that football team. Uh, for the Bears it's not like when we lost Jake Cutler and we had to start Caleb Haney everything went down the tubes or when Cutler was hurt back in in 2016 and we got Matt Barkley and Brian Hoyer uh, starting at quarterback uh, for us you know Chase Daniel is a better backup a better quarterback a better player than either of those two guys and we saw it last week against Detroit Um, aside from some of those pop plays that 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 Mitch Trubisky is capable of with his legs and things like that he doesn't have the same arm strength that Trubisky does, but Daniels is is just a good quarterback, knows the system, has comfort in the system, and was able to lead the Bears to to victory last week. And I think that this full week of practice for uh, for Daniel will will only benefit him and what the offense wants to do uh, this week and make it look as though we can hit the ground running uh, on Sunday, as opposed to try having to uh, you know kind of work our way into a rhythm like we did against Detroit uh, on Thanksgiving. So. You know, but it's it's something that on the defensive side, the main concern is is wrapping up when it comes to Saquon Barkley. When you get your hands on him, make sure that you bring him down, you know, don't, uh, you know, or, or slow him down until help arrives uh, kind of thing. But don't don't be the, the you know, the, don't be the guy that, you know, he misses the, the first one. So discipline on the defensive side will be key. Uh, on Sunday as far as um, you know coming in to make tackles Roquan Smith was guilty of it uh, at least twice that I saw once against uh, Minnesota and again against Detroit the same thing happened both times Roquan tried to tackle a receiver up really high they ducked under the tackle and were able to then you know turn it into a big play number one Saquon Barkley is a beast you do not want to try to tackle him high he will make you pay for that and, uh, you know, you, you want to come in under control. 
So, I mean, I know it's it's a speed game. Everything's fast and moving at light speed and so on and so forth. You want to come in under control so you can be uh, balanced and get your arms around them. See what you hit. No coming in with your head down trying to make some kind of highlight reel tackle or anything. We can't play that mess with Saquon Barkley. You wrap him up and bring him down or slow him down until help arrives, like I said a moment ago. That's what's going to be important. That's the main key for the offense – or excuse me, for the defense – uh, against uh, Barkley and and the uh, the the offense, because the big key for the Bears on the defensive side is Khalil Mack lining up uh, against that undrafted rookie free. Well, he's not a rookie; he's a second year player, but an undrafted right tackle. Um, Wheeler is his is his last name, and I was listening to uh, another Bears uh, podcast from the Athletic, a really good website, by the way. They have a podcast and they were talking about the Bears and saying that last year in, in 2017 when the Raiders played the Giants, Khalil Mack went against that Wheeler guy and racked up three sacks in that game, which just makes me salivate to the idea of watching Khalil Mack rack up a three-sack game uh, against the uh, against the Giants on Sunday. Because, you know, it's 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 one of those things where, where um, you used to talk about it for years, especially when it came to uh, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. It's like, yeah. The Bears sacked Aaron Rodgers five times in that one game, but Rodgers was only under pressure the five times that he got sacked. Jay Cutler may have only gotten sacked twice in the game, but he was under pressure for like 25 snaps. So he was getting hit, had to pull himself off the ground, so on and so forth. You know in that game when Khalil Mack faced that kid for the first time last year when he was a rookie and uh, you know got three sacks, but you knew you know he was in Eli's face for the majority of the football game, like to the point where his 52 on his Raiders jersey was starting to rub off on the number 10 that Eli wears uh, for the Giants. So I would love to be able to see something like that happen uh, this week. That is a matchup we should definitely be looking forward to uh, on Sunday is, is, is getting Khalil Mack lined up over that right tackle and taking that kid to church all day long. So, um, you know, that's definitely a, a matchup we need to exploit uh, on Sunday. And when we do that, as far as the passing game goes, that will cancel out Odell Beckham. We already know Evan Ingram isn't playing uh, on Sunday uh, and what have you. So Sterling Shepard, all that stuff will be canceled out because Eli Manning's not going to have a good time throwing the football from his back. So, And we also have seen in games like the Seattle game, we had six sacks, Khalil Mack only had one. We also know how much Khalil Mack's presence can affect everything that happens uh, around him. So, I mean, the leading sacker in the Seattle game was Danny Trevathan, uh, of all people, with two sacks. And Khalil Mack only had one. That's the other impact that, that Khalil Mack has is that his presence opens up opportunities for everybody else. So the fact that, number one, they had that matchup last year between Wheeler uh, and Mack when, 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 when Khalil was with the, uh, the Raiders. I was going to say Lions again, I swear to God. When he was with the Raiders, um, that they know they're going to have to give him some help when Khalil Mack is lined up uh, on his side. So there's you know an, a body that that could be helpful somewhere else, but leads to a one-on-one for Akeem Hicks or a one-on-one for Ray Robertson Harris or Jonathan Bullard or God forbid for Leonard Floyd on the other side against Nate Solder, who's who's played decently but not earning that sixteen million dollars a year as a starting left tackle uh, for the Giants right now. So. And that's just the passing uh, portion uh, of it. As, you know, like I said, on the running side, 
we, we got to wrap up. You know, like I said, he gets most of his yardage after first contact. He's a big, strong back who moves well. We need to be able to, you know, just be fundamental. Fundamental when it comes to tackling. Be sure that you're seeing what you hit come in under control so you don't just go flying right past him because you're trying to get there as quickly as possible. I understand the instinct. I understand it. I get it. But get there under control. Make the tackle. Wrap him up. Bring him down. You know, or as I've said a couple of times already, slow him down and wait for help to arrive. So the way that we fly around the football, you won't have to wait long in order to do that. So on the offensive side, um, I don't think it's a stretch at all that we'll look better on Sunday offensively because of the time that Chase Daniel was able to log in uh, with the offense uh, in, in full speed practices. Uh, this week he's been able to get his timing down with his targets a bit better so I don't think that we'll have to warm up offensively like we did uh, a week ago now I said earlier in the show that I think this is a key game for the Bears to be able to get the running game going it'd be a bounce back game uh, for the running game it could also be a emotional boost kind of game for uh, Jordan Howard who um, we know is enjoying being part of this football team, but it's got to be a bittersweet thing for him to know what he's capable of, to know what he can do running the football on the offensive side for him to either not be on the field. I mean, Taquan Mazel scored a touchdown last week. He had the longest rush of the game uh, against the Lions last week, seven yards, woo-hoo. Um, but, you know, Taquan Mazel, who's, um, you know, the third-string running back is it's you know like almost they're dividing up the the carries evenly or the the reps evenly on the field between the three and um you know it it, it should be more of Jordan Howard this week because um the guy that made running the football difficult for us against the Lions the last two out of three weeks Damon Harrison used to be the rock in the middle for the New York Giants until they traded him and the backup is not a guy that eats up blocks and, and makes it because he's not a guy that eats up blocks. Therefore, the Bears' offensive line will have an easier time getting to the second level, getting to the linebackers and stuff. It should be an easier game for the running attack on Sunday. You know, Damon Harrison used to eat up double teams. The linebackers could roam free. His replacement can be blocked straight up by one offensive lineman so we can get to the second level, and that can open up huge things uh, for the running game for Jordan Howard to get the game going. I mean, maybe this will be a game. Um, I don't know if you guys heard it. It was kind of garbled. But the 38-point uh, output they had against the Buccaneers, Eli Manning only threw 18 passes in that game because Barkley was, had a huge game running the football. This very well could be, even though we're expecting uh, a bit more of an efficient uh, you know, throw passing game uh, for the Bears with Chase Daniel because he had a full week of practice with the starters and so on and so forth. Maybe this will be that game where he only has 17 or 18 passes because Jordan Howard had 18 carries, 450 yards because we were just you know, feasting on the, uh, on the defense of the Giants when it came to running uh, the football. And talk about, like I said, an emotional boost for Howard to know that he can do it. He absolutely can. And we got a game next week with another defense that gives up big plays. I mean, yeah, the Rams beat the Chiefs on Monday Night Football, an epic battle. 
they gave up 51 points in that game as well. So there was a lot going on, and they would give up 45 points a couple weeks before with the Saints and so on. This could be a, a big boost for Jordan Howard and get him mentally strong for the game against the Rams on Sunday Night Football. This is the week to do it. It really is. To come out in that first drive, run the ball, pound it with Jordan Howard the first two, two three plays, see if we can get that going early on establish the, that it will also open things up in the passing game give Jason chase daniel does some some play action uh, ability and, and and so on so i mean i think it's it's definitely a, a good scenario for the bears to get that part of the offense going this is the perfect game for us to do it and um it sounds like if if we play our cards right it can work in every way that we want it to we can limit what we have to expect from from Chase Daniel. Not that we're worried about that kind of thing, but you know, it would also get the game over quicker if we're running the football and and moving the chains. Maybe it'd be a little bit more on the low scoring end because of it. But we also know the the defense likes to score its own points from time to time uh, as well. So uh, I th- I th- definitely think the main focus on offense should be running the football this week and and not you know in a way of protecting chase daniel or anything like that but more so getting jordan howard going getting him mentally strong prepared getting him that emotional boost heading into two of the most important games we're going to play these next two weeks against st st louis against los angeles the rams and green bay uh the week after that so i I think it'd be very important um for the mental for the in the mental aspect of the game to get jordan howard going uh, against the Giants uh, on Sunday. So I really would like to see the Bears run the ball quite a bit against the Giants if they are as susceptible to the run as we've been led to believe. You know, Ryan Dunleavy alluded to it and several of the other podcasts I've listened to this week to get ready for this game, they've all said it as well. So hopefully um, the Bears are keen on that and uh, will focus on the run uh, in this football game. So, and um, what do the Giants need to do? Well, Ryan talked about that quite a bit uh, at the end there. And basically, the Giants this year are the Bears last year, where we do have some talent uh, on the team, but in order to win a game, we have to be perfect. In order to win a game, we had to be perfect. We were, you know, we've, we've, we've turned the corner as a team from last year to this year. Whereas, you know, last year, how many games did we lose that we should have won because of, of one big mistake? One thing that hurt the game and that we never recovered from. Think back week one to Atlanta. That one, we were perfect against Atlanta for the entire football game. That one busted coverage, that 90-yard touchdown to Austin Hooper, that was the difference in the game. That's why we didn't beat the Falcons, the, 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 the screw-up on that blown coverage that led to that big touchdown play. That's why the Falcons won week one. Not because they, the, the Bears outplayed the Falcons week one, but that one play, that one mistake, that was the only thing keeping us from perfect, and that's why we lost. And there were several examples throughout the year last year where that happened. And the Bears have become that team where, you know, last year we talked about how many games we should have won. Well, we should have won this game. We should have won Atlanta. We should have won Green Bay. Uh, we should have won this and that one, so on and so forth, going up and down the list. And what made it so, what made us so salty and angry about that is that we're pissed off we didn't win that game because if we played them again, 
we probably don't get the same result. We 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 wouldn't win the second time around because we we played the perfect game on Sunday, but one mistake kept us from winning. The Bears have turned the corner in being that team that doesn't have to be perfect to win, that is good enough to survive its mistakes because of coaching, because of our scheme is better, because our talent level is better, so on and so forth. The Bears are that team where we're the ones that take advantage of our opponents' mistakes, make them pay, and therefore our opponents are the ones that have to be perfect in order to beat us. Because any mistake that they make against us, we make them pay for dearly, a.k.a. Eddie Jackson back-to-back pick sixes for touchdowns against Minnesota uh, and Detroit, that kind of thing. The fumble recovery against Buffalo, uh, you know, a few weeks before that. We're that team that capitalizes on mistakes. I mean, that was something that was documented quite a bit going into the Detroit game last week was how the Bears lead the league in points off of turnovers. You know, I think we're up to 90 now. I think we're like 80-something, 80, 80, 80 high 80s coming into the game. Add another touchdown with Eddie Jackson's pick six. We're in the 90s for points off of turnovers uh, in, in, the, in the league this year. We're, we, I think we lead by a pretty wide margin on that as well. So we're that team that capitalizes on mistakes and doesn't have to be perfect. We're good enough to survive mistakes. We had the Tariq Cohen fumble. We had two interceptions from Mitch Trubisky on Sunday night against the, uh, against the Vikings. We survived three turnovers to win the game because we're better than the Vikings. We weren't that team a year ago. Interceptions, you know, we didn't survive the interception that Mitch threw week five in his first start against the Vikings last year. We didn't survive it. It actually killed, uh, it killed the game. We, you know, we had penalties that killed big plays that would have led to points for the Bears. We aren't that team this year. We aren't. We've turned the corner that we can survive. We're good enough to survive mistakes. The Giants, on the other hand, are who we were a year ago. They have some talent. They have some players that can hurt you, a la Odell Beckham, Saquon Barkley. But they have to be perfect in order to win. And if they make a mistake or if they make two or if they don't help that kid Wheeler on the right side, Khalil Mack is going to take him to school all day on Sunday and make life a living hell for Eli Manning. So the Giants have to be perfect. That's their key. Never mind Saquon this, Odell that, defense here. They have to be perfect to win the game because the Bears are head and shoulders a superior team. So the Bears can limit their own mistakes, force some out of the Giants. The Giants are not good enough to recover from their mistakes. We are. That's the difference. So it should be a fairly easy win, knock on wood. Hopefully I'm not jinxing us and we come out with our worst performance of the year and lose a game we have no business <laughs> losing. But uh, wouldn't that just be a Chicago Bear thing to do? Maybe it'd be a 2017 Chicago Bear thing to do, not these 2018 Bears. These guys are different. They're special. And um, it's been a pleasure watching them uh, this year. So that will do it for the Week 13 preview of the Bears Talk Underground. We'll be back on Monday. And uh, look forward to yet another victory episode as we prepare for our biggest game of the year against the Rams next week on Sunday Night Football. So I might be guilty of looking ahead to this game. I'm just way more excited about that one than I am about this one uh, on Sunday. But uh, really looking forward to that game and, and what our beloved will be capable of on Sunday against the Giants and then getting ready for the big showdown with the Rams on national TV in cold, frigid Soldier Field next Sunday. So... Come on back Monday. We'll have another victory episode. We will enjoy ourselves, talk about this, and hopefully we'll be talking about the big day that Jordan Howard had uh, on the ground and how that will benefit us when we play the Rams the week after that. So until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been the Bears Talk Underground.
Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.